Chapter Sixteen of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Sixteen. A predicament in prospect. For half a mile beyond the glade, the trace continued wide enough to admit of our riding abreast but notwithstanding this advantage no word passed between us my guide had relapsed into his attitude of melancholy deepened no doubt by the intelligence he had just received and sat loosely in his saddle his head drooping forward over his breast bitter thoughts within rendered him unconscious of what was passing without and i felt that any effort i might make to soften the acerbity of his reflections would be idle there are moments when words of consolation may be spoken in vain when instead of soothing a sorrow they add poison to its sting i made no attempt therefore to rouse my companion from his reverie but rode on by his side silent as he indeed there was sufficient unpleasantness in my own reflections to give me occupation though troubled by no heart-canker of the past i had a future before me that was neither brilliant nor attractive the foreknowledge i had now gained of squatter holt had imbued me with a keen presentiment that i was treading upon the edge of a not very distant dilemma once or twice was i on the point of communicating my business to my travelling companion and why not with the openness of an honest heart he had confided to me the most important as well as the most painful secret of his life why should i withhold my confidence from him on a subject of comparatively little importance my reason for not making a confidant of him sooner has been already given it no longer existed so far from finding in him an ally of my yet hypothetical enemy in all likelihood i should have him on my die at all events i felt certain that i might count upon his advice and with his knowledge of the situation that might be worth having i was on the eve of declaring the object of my errand and soliciting his counsel thereon when i saw him suddenly rein in and turn towards me in the former movement i imitated his example the road forts here said he path on the left goes straight down a holt's clarin the other's the way to my bit of a shanty i shall have to thank you for the very kind service you have rendered me and say good-night no not yet i ain't a-goin to leave you till i've put you within sight of holt's cabin though i can't go with you to the house as i told ye he and i ain't on the best of terms i cannot think of your coming out of your way especially at this late hour i'm some little of a tracker myself and perhaps i can make out the path no stranger thar's places whar the trace is almost blind and you mout get out o it there'll be no moon on it it runs through a thick timber bottom and there's an ugly bit of swamp as for the lateness i'm not very regular in my hours and there's a sort of road up the creek by which i can get home t'want to bid you good night that i stop here what then thought i endeavouring to conjecture his purpose while he was pausing in his speech stranger continued he in an altered tone i hope you won't take offence if i ask you a question not much fear of that i fancy ask it freely are ye sure a bit it hopes well upon my word to say the truth i am by no means sure of one it don't signify however i have my old cloak in my saddle and it wouldn't be the first time by hundreds that i've slept in the open air my reason for asking you air that if you ain't sure o one and don't mind stretching yourself on a barskin there's such a thing in my shanty entirely at your service oh it's very kind of you 
perhaps i may have occasion to avail myself of your offer in truth i am not very confident of meeting with a friendly reception at the hands of your neighbour holt much less being asked to partake of his hospitality do you say so indeed yes from what i have heard i have reason to anticipate rather a cold welcome indeed but my companion hesitated in his speech as if meditating some observation which he felt a delicacy about making i'm a-most ashamed continued he at length put another question that war on the top of my tongue i shall take pleasure in answering any question you may think proper to ask me i shouldn't ask it if it weren't for what you've just now said for i hear the same question put to you this night afore and i heard your answer to it but i reckon twar the way in which it war asked that offended you and on that account your answer war just as it should have been to what question do you refer to your bidding it out here with hay holt i don't want to know it out of any curiosity of my own that's sartin stranger oh you are welcome to know all about it indeed it was my intention to have told you before we parted at the same time to ask you for some advice about the matter without further parley i communicated the object of my visit to mud creek conceding nothing that i deemed necessary for the elucidation of the subject without a word of interruption the young hunter heard my story to the end from the play of his features as i revealed the more salient points i could perceive that my chances of an amicable adjustment of my claim were far from being brilliant well do you know said he when i had finished speaking i had a suspicion that that might be your business i don't know why i should have thought so but maybe twar because there's been some others come here to settle late and found squatters on their ground just the same as hopes on yourn that's why you heard me say a while ago that i shouldn't like to bow over his head and why not i awaited the answer to this question not without a certain degree of nervous anxiety i was beginning to comprehend the counsel of my nashville friend on that ticklish point of preemption why you see stranger as i told you hick holds her of customer and i reckon he'll be an ugly one to deal with on a business of that kind of course being in possession he may purchase the land he has the right of preemption oh tain't for that he ain't a-goin to preempt nor buy neither and for the best of reasons he ain't got a red cent in the world and shouldn't buy as much land as would make him a million patch not he how does he get his living then oh as for that just some at like myself there's gobs of game in the woods both barren deer and the clearing grows em corn there's cows and possums and turkeys too and lots of fish in a creek if one gets tired of the bar and the deer meat which i should never do but how about clothing and other necessaries that are not found in the woods oh as for our clothing it ain't hard to find we can get that in swampville by swapping skins for it or now and in some deer meat or anything else there ain't much needed about here powder and lead and leak coffee and tobacco once in a while if you like it a taste of old corn corn i thought the squatter raised that for himself so he do raise corn but i see stranger you don't understand our odd names there's two kind of corn in these parts that's as has been to the still and that as hain't he's the first of these sorts that hick holt lasts best oh i perceive your meaning he's fond of a little corn whiskey i presume i reckon he are that same squatter fonder than milk but surely continued the hunter changing the subject as well as the tone of his speech surely stranger you ain't a-goin' on your bidding the night i've just begun to think that it is rather an odd hour to enter upon an estate the idea didn't occur to me before besides he added 
there's another reason if hick holt's what he used to be he ain't likely to be very nice about this time of night i hain't seen much of him lately but i reckon he's as fond of drink as ever he war and tain't often he goes to his bed without a skinful dar's ten chances agin one o' your findin him with brick in his hat mm, that would be awkward don't think of goin to night continued the young hunter in a persuasive tone come along with me and you can ride down to holt's in the morning you then find him more reasonable to deal with i can't offer you no great show entertainment but there's a piece of deer meat in the house and i reckon i can raise up a cup of coffee and a bone or two of bread as for your show the old corn crib ain't quite empty yet thanks thanks said i grasping the hunter's hand in the warmth of my gratitude i accept your invitation this way then stranger we struck into a path that led to the right and after riding about two miles further arrived at the solitary home of the hunter a log cabin surrounded by a clearing i soon found he was its sole occupant as he was its owner some half-dozen large dogs being the only living creatures that were present to bid us welcome a rude horse-shed was at hand a loose-box it might be termed as it was only intended to accommodate one and this was placed at the disposal of my arab the critter of my host had for that night to take to the woods and choose his stall among the trees but to that sort of treatment he had been well inured a close-chinked cabin for a lodging a bear-skin for a bed a cold venison corn-bread and coffee for supper with a pipe to follow all these garnished with the cheer of a hearty welcome constitute an entertainment not to be despised by an old campaigner and such was the treatment i met with under the hospitable clapboard roof of the young backwoodsman frank wingrove End of chapter sixteen